How's everybody doing? Good. Did you like that? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. What a, you know, <clears throat> what's, what's crazy about Team Challenge isn't just the work that God does in that ministry and through that ministry. Uh, the fact that it offers what they offer for free. Um, uh, such a faith-based organization. So we're grateful that you're here and uh, they'll be out in the lobby. A group of them will be out in the lobby. Uh, you can, uh, you can be a part of that. How many of you watched, saw the skit at the beginning with the fight between who had the authority, me or Jesus? Right? Anybody relate to that fight? Right? Anybody online relate to that fight? It's, uh, it's sort of the common fight we all have, right? In that, in, in that reality and what, what you might struggle with, what topic you struggle with in that chair is different than the topic that the person next to you might struggle with, right? Your, your issues of where does the authority lie when it comes to money or to relationship or to drinking or to you name it, whatever that topic is for every person in here, there's some differences to it, right? And let me be clear, yours isn't worse, better than anybody else's because in God's economy, it's all the same, right? It's all the same in that struggle, but the struggle that struggle, that, that skit sort of connects to what we're talking about here in Rooted. So how many of you were here with us last week when we got kicked off, right? So next Wednesday night here, we are kicking Rooted off um, for real. It's our actual launch night. We're inviting groups to come and to represent your group. Uh, Pastor uh, Jason is going to uh, lead that evening as we get everything kicked off. And so we encourage you to come and be a part of that. But why Rooted, right? We talked about this a little bit last week. So I just want to cover a couple scriptures because in each of the weeks that we go, I'm going to try to remind you of this. Now, sometimes people who listen to me preach <coughs> give me a hard time because they say I repeat myself. Just so we're clear, I do. The reason I repeat myself is because if I don't repeat myself, you'll think what I said was great and 30 minutes later you can't remember it. Right? So I will repeat myself on a regular basis because sometimes the only way to learn, right, or to actually get something ingrained is to have that thing brought back to you over and over and over again, right? And so since I preach so long, I got plenty of time to do it. Just super clear, right? All right, let's read a couple scriptures. John 15. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now look what the gardener does, right? This is the gardener's role. The gardener, gardener cuts off every branch in me, in the vine, that doesn't what? Bear fruit. Like if there's no fruit on the vine, the gardener comes along and goes, got to cut it off, right? Everybody got that? While every branch that does bear fruit, so you go through a season, God's using you, you're growing, everything seems to be going well, right? Look what the gardener does to you then. The Bible says the gardener comes out when you bear fruit and he what? Prunes you. And I don't know if you've ever been pruned, but it feels like you're dying, right? Listen, when God goes to work on your life after a really good season spiritually, it can feel like you've died. It can feel like, what in the world is God up to? What did I do wrong? Because we get into a season where things are good and we expect it to last for how long? We think it should last forever. That's not the way God works. And here's why. God bears the, the, the branch that bears fruit prunes so that it will what? Be even more fruitful. 
You see, God has the goal of fruit. Everybody say fruit. That's what God wants. And not only does God want, he expects it. Look what it says in scripture. He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, right? There's no reason why the branch shouldn't produce fruit. It's been cleaned, right? He says, if you remain in me and I will remain in you, right? If you make the effort, right? If you make the decision to give it away, listen, Jesus isn't coming in and taking it. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. If you open the door, if you invite him in, if you will remain in him, he will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Meaning, listen, you can come to church and do all kinds of church things, but if it's not connected to the vine, it's not considered fruit. It's just considered activity, right? He says this, the branch must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Jesus. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If a man remains in me and I remain in him, listen to this, he, what? Everybody say will. He will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, let's be clear about your relationship with Jesus. God has one desire for your relationship in Jesus and that is to bear much what? Much fruit, that's it. And here's why. Because if you're the branch connected to the vine, you should automatically produce fruit. It's an expectation, right? How many of you have a job? Online, everybody in here, how many of you got a job, right? You got expectations at your job, right? And do you have expectations of your employer, right? Your expectation is if you go in and do your job, you should get what? You should get paid, right? And if the employer is paying you and you go to work, they should be able to expect what? You to do your what? Your job. Listen, in a relationship with Jesus, there's an expectation. You're connected to the vine. And the vine is already clean because of the word of God. That vine relationship with the branch is expected to produce much fruit. He says, if the branch, listen to this next verse, right? Here's the next verse. That John 15, there you go. If anyone doesn't remain in me, okay? If the relationship with Jesus isn't connected, look what happens. That person becomes like a branch that's thrown away and it withers. Those branches are picked up and thrown into the what? Fire and burned. Listen, you, if everybody online ever been here, how many of you have a relationship with Jesus? Say amen, right? That relationship is the relationship between the vine and the branch. And the expectation of that relationship is this, that you bear much fruit. Listen, if you're not bearing any fruit, you need to go back and check the connection. Because that's what God's desire is. So here's the question. How do you, <coughs> how does any plant bear fruit? It has to what? Let's see if you, if you if you'll get this. It has to grow, right? And when you plant a seed in the ground, where does it have to grow first? It has to grow down. Listen, any, any life-giving, life-bearing plant that lives above ground has to first grow down, right? Everything about life begins in the dirt. Adam was formed out of the what? Dirt. Life begins in the dirt. It does begin in the dirt. And the reality is this, that the first thing that has, because remember, what's the goal? The goal of relationship with Jesus is to produce what? Fruit, which means you better get rooted. You better get growing down. And here's the thing. How do you and I learn to grow in the ground? Because listen, here's what happens. I'm going to read 
skip John 15 there and go to the, the Mark 13 passage. Here's what Jesus said. We read last week about the parable of the sower. Jesus said to them, okay, that's not what I want. So ignore that. Ignore that. Go to Luke 8. Luke 8. I wrote it wrong. So this is the seed that's, that's thrown into the soil. And here's what he says. If it's thrown on the rock, they're the ones that receive the word with joy when they hear it. Anybody here receive the word with joy when they hear it? Right? Here, look what happens, he says. But they have no root. They believe for a while. But in the time of what? Testing, they fall away. We learn from Jesus that that life is hard above the ground. Is it not? Yes or no? Anybody here testify to how hard life is above the ground? It's tough. And here's the thing. If you're a life-bearing plant and you have no roots, when it's hard above the ground, you know what happens to the plant? It what? It just dies. It withers. Listen, if the goal is fruit, we better grow down first. If we try to grow above ground first, we're going to die. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They come in, they hear the word. It's like, oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And they're like, let me serve. Let me do this. Let me get to work. Let me do this. The reality is this. You spend all your time above ground as a new plant. You die pretty quickly. Right? And we do the same thing. Listen, I told you this story before, I think. Listen, when you've been here 13 years, I'm bound to recycle some stories. Everybody good with that? You Listen, you don't remember it anyway, okay? But I'll never forget my cousin, Matt, who was, who was lots of years younger than me when I was preaching at a church back home. Matt was a, listen, he was a hellion growing up, troublemaker, drank, smoked, caroused. Was, he was on a one, one road path, a one way path to destruction. He ended up having a stroke as a 20, like a 22, 21 year old young man, big strapping kid, great kid, had a stroke, ended up from it, partially paralyzed on his uh, left side. Had to go to the University of Chicago and have multiple surgeries on his brain. He ended up having such a rare condition that he became a test case that he went up every year and the students talked to him and they learned about his case because it was so unique. But he was handicapped. His life had changed forever. He began to come to the church that I was preaching at. And he began to come to the church that I was preaching at. And he just kept coming and he brought his wife and he brought his little boy. And eventually he came to faith in Christ. He came up front one Sunday just broken and crying and accepted Jesus. And I had the privilege of baptizing my cousin Matt in one of our elders' pools. It was one of the best days of my life. I know it was a day that my mom was thrilled to death with. Fast forward to the next Sunday. He doesn't show up for church. My mom calls me on that Monday and says, hey, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. Right? She goes, how was Matt and Kylie? I don't know. They weren't at church yesterday. My mom, lover of Jesus. Huge pause. And then the huge sigh. She goes, I thought Matt became a Christian. Right? Because I had told her when she said, well, why wasn't he there? I had checked and guess why he wasn't there? He was at home on Sunday being hungover. Because as a new believer, he hadn't figured out how to live above ground yet. Do you think he had any chance living above ground well as a new believer? No. But what we tell people is, you got to get rid of that stuff today. You better spend the majority of your fight fighting everything above ground. Even though your roots aren't deep, even though you can't handle life, you better fight above ground. And you know what happens? Those people burn out quickly. We spend way too much time 
fussing with new believers about their struggle above ground when our focus should be on getting them to do what? Grow roots. Because guess what? You know this. I know this. Life is hard. It's hard. Our kids come to faith in Jesus. And what's the first thing we do? We berate them about all the stuff that they're feeling with above ground. Do you know how successful a plant is in withstanding the fight above ground if they have no roots? And I don't know if you've ever noticed a a, a plant, right? Listen, a plant can die above the ground, but as long as the roots are alive below the ground, guess what will happen to the plant? It will grow back. We have it wrong so many times. New believers can't, listen, you cannot... You cannot grow above ground. You can. What did it say? They received it with joy, right? They were all in. And then the minute the sun came up, the minute the fight was real, the minute life was hard, you know what happened? Their faith withered and died. So what good did it do? Done. Why? Because they did not get rooted. They didn't get rooted. So the whole series, listen, the whole series is designed for that very purpose. To help us grow Roots. And here's the great thing about being pruned over and over again for more fruit. Every time God prunes you, you need your roots a little bit deeper. Because every time God prunes you, life above the ground gets harder every time. And you've got to be deeper in your faith. There's nobody in here. There's nobody online. There's nobody on this stage that has not, does not have to go through this process. Your roots right now are not deep enough for the next season of how hard it is above the ground. They're just not. Mine aren't either. And God's always going to look for the next season because he wants how much fruit? More fruit. So guess what? Roots matter. They matter to the new believer and they matter to the old believer. They matter to every believer in the middle because every time the fight above the ground gets harder, every time the the expectation grows for more fruit, your roots have to grow deep, which is why we have rooted as a part of our discipleship process. Listen, and let's be clear. Rooted isn't sexy, is it? How many of you like to work in the dirt? Who's a dirt person here, right? Okay, a few of you. How many of you'd rather take a kick to the head than work in the dirt, right? Listen, I'll eat the fruit of the vine. I'll eat everything that grows, but I don't want to have to work the dirt to get the fruit. Anybody else with me, right? Listen, working in the dirt ain't no fun. You got to be out there. In the sun and in the heat and in climate weather, you got to get dirty and you got to filthy and you got to get stinky. I know some of you like that. That's why we're praying consistently for you, right? There's clearly an imbalance in you, right? Most of us not a big fan of that, right? Listen, it's no fun, but it's the thing that most churches fail at. We call that people just keep coming in the front door, loving Jesus and leaving the back door. That's because rooted is hard work. It's hard work. And we, we, listen, we can't be on mission to make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation if we're not on, if we're not on mission to grow our roots too. You realize the mission means nothing without you. You're the reason the mission is there. Because God told us to go where? Into all the what? Into all the world. And to make disciples. How do we do that? You and I got to continue to continue to be rooted. Listen, the reason we want you to come on Wednesday, right, is because we take a little longer. We dig a little deeper. We have a little bit more time, right? That's why we want you in groups. Why do we want you in a small group? Because we want you to take the time to be a part of something that's dirty and is hard and isn't sexy and doesn't look great above the ground. But man, it's absolutely necessary because I don't know if you know this or not, but life is hard. 
It's hard. And God's expectations don't change because your life gets harder. His expectations are always the same. I need you to produce fruit because any branch connected to the vine always produces what? Fruit. So how do we grow down? Well, that's what we're going to talk about over the next six weeks. What's the rhythms of spiritual discipline you and I need to learn to be rooted? These aren't sexy, right? These aren't the, these are the kind of things you buy at a thrift store, right? You want to buy sexy, you go to Neiman Marcus, right? You want to buy utilitarian, you go to the thrift store, right? Got pants there? Got shirts there, right? Probably no fancy name brands, are there? A eh, little bit. Look at these. They're lying, lying over there. They're selling Walmart, Dollar General, right? All that stuff, right? Listen, this isn't sexy work, but you want to grow in your faith? You want to be able to withstand the difficulties of life, the cancer diagnosis, the divorce, the adultery, the betrayal. You want to be able to deal with financial struggles, with your kids wandering away. You want to deal with the loss of a child. You want to deal with all that heartache. Man, you better have roots that grow really, really deep because the sun above the ground is really, really hot. And the only way to survive it is to have something in the ground that's taking care of you, that's feeding you, that's giving you moisture, that's giving you nutrients. You don't get that above the ground, right? You get all the good stuff in the dirt, right? So tonight, we're going to talk quickly about the word devotion. Everybody say devoted. Devoted, right? It's a word I don't know if it's a real common word, right? But it's a word used in scripture to, de- to describe the first rhythm of life that people have, right? And so we're just going to walk through some scriptures here and talk about devotion, all right? So here's the first thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this one. Everybody read, everybody online, everybody here, read this out loud with me. Devotion, it's an ongoing action. Let me, let me read a couple scriptures to you. Uh, bring that Acts 2.42 verse up, David. It's up there uh, right above uh, this Acts 1 verse, okay? So here's what it says. Everybody read that first two words with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Then in verse 46, it says this. Everyone was filled with awe, many one. Okay, there you go. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Bring that the first part of that verse back up, David. It says this. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the... No, that's... Go to verse 46. There it is. Everybody say every day. That's the Greek word for devotion. Same Greek word as Acts 2.42. How about this one in Acts 1.12 through 14? It says this. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. That's the disciples. A Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Right? They were, those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew. Along with James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together, what? Constantly, that's the Greek word devoted, constantly in prayer. How about this one in Romans 12, 12? It says this, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and what? Faithful in prayer. That's the Greek word for devoted. How about this one in Colossians 4, 2? It says this, what? 
Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Here's the thing you need to know about the Greek word for devotion. It is in the present active form of a verb. You know what it means? It's ongoing all the time, right? It's a constant thing that you do every single day. How many of you have eaten a meal today? How many of you online and in here will eat a meal tomorrow? How many of you ate a meal on those of you online, those of you in here? How many of you eaten a meal yesterday? How many of you in the last month have made it a regular habit of eating at least one meal every day? You know what you are? You're devoted, right? You're devoted because why? Devotion is a present active verb, meaning you do it every day. Every day. So, how many of you have heard of the phrase uh, daily devotions? Right? So we started with, we started, right? We got to the point that we had to try to create in church people, right? Believers, a motivation to be devoted every day. So we came up with this idea, right? Of creating a daily devotional. Because if we could get you to do something every day, then you could be what? Devoted. Because here's the thing about devotion. If devotion isn't every day, it's not what? It's not devotion. Right? It's not devotion. There's a lot of people in relationships that say things like, man, I am devoted to you. And then they'll go for weeks and do nothing for that person. And then when the person says, hey, I've got a question. You said you were devoted. It feels like you're not. Right? And that's when the fight starts. Right? Because... Oftentimes there's a gap between what we say and what we do. It's the same thing with being a believer. Listen, the Bible says people devoted themselves. That what you need to know about devotion is it's daily. It's something that is ongoing, present, and it's active, and it happens all the time. Devotion isn't something you do once a week. Listen, how many of you would feel bad today if you had gone six days without a meal prior to today, and today was the only day of the week you could eat? You happy with that schedule? Oh, you hate it. And yet so many Christians, they, they're devoted on Saturday night. They're devoted on Sunday morning. They're devoted one day a week because, man, if I can give God an hour and a half of my time, I'm devoted. Is that devotion? No, it's not. And here's the problem. People that aren't devoted can't grow down. They can't grow down. Listen, if you're not at work on a daily basis, devotion becomes a myth. I mean, listen, how many of you in here have, have tried to lose weight? How many of you have tried to get in shape? And you're committed to the words, I want to get skinnier. I want to get healthier. How many of you are committed to those words? Been committed? What's it take to make those words work? It starts with a D. Devotion. Right? Devotion. Because, listen, it's one thing to say it. And to believe in the words, it's another thing to what? It's another thing to do it. That's why I have three sizes of clothes, right? Because that's what we do, right? Right. I have my skinny clothes for when I look good and I can take pictures. I have my middle clothes that I pretty much live in when I'm back and forth, right? And then I've got my fat clothes, right? And I know I'm not the only one in here online that does that, right? Some of you are dumb enough to get rid of your fat clothes going, I'll never be skinny again. And then you got to go to the thrift store 
and buy new ones, right? <clears throat> because that's what happens. Because that's, listen, that's what we think devotion is. That's what we, that's what, we, and here's the thing. Devotion isn't. It's present and it's active. It's got to be something we do every single day. That's why you never, never, never in the New Testament see the word devotion written in the passive tense. Meaning it was something that somebody did for you. Nobody can be devoted for you. People can love you. They can care for you. They can want it for you. But you have to be devoted. Their devotion can't pass on. There are some husbands in this space and online that need to hear that. Your wife's faith isn't enough. It's got to be yours. Right? There's some wives in here that probably need to hear that and online. Your husband's faith isn't yours. It's not, it's not transferable. There's students, there's children that need to hear that from their parents, right? Devotion is something never put upon you, something you have to choose to do. And how often do you have to do it? Daily. Devotion is an ongoing action. Here's the second thing. Everybody read that with me. Devotion is an, right? It's an operation action, right? It's operational. Here's the great thing about the Greek word. Uh, I, I, you, if you listen to me preach at all, and everybody online in here, you know I love words. I love, love, love words. And I love the meaning of words, right? When you study the Greek text, there are lots of words that are made up, meaning that, that Paul will, also, will, will oftentimes put two words together to come up with the word that nobody ever else uses in the book, right? Luke does that once in a while too. I love studying the words, but what I love most of all is I love getting to the root word of every word. Because if you can get to the root word of every word, you can get to the meaning. And so I'm not going to pronounce the word for devotion because it's two words made up together to create this word, right? But at its core, the root for devotion is a word katereo, right? And here's what it means. It means strength that is exerted upon something, right? It's transferred dominion, right? It's, it's not power. Power is dunamis, dynamite, right? Strength, on the other hand, is exerted power, right? So, for example, how many of you ever lifted weights? How many of you at least attempted to lift a weight? Even if it was to move it to put your feet up, Right? The only way the weight moves is you have to do what? You have to exert your strength, your power upon that to get it to what? To get it to move. At its core, the root word for dominion is that idea. Now, I want you to track with me here, right? Or devotion. Devotion is something that has to be done how often? Daily. And it's something you have to choose. Which is why it's an operational action. Meaning it's something you have to put into practice. It isn't just something you have to do every day. It's something you have to pull the lever to make happen. Meaning you have to take your power, your strength, and exert it upon this thing that you're fighting every single day. See, devotion isn't isn't as simple as saying, oh, Jesus, I'm devoted to you. I'm going to come to worship and I'm going to be devoted to you. No, devotion is the actual action of you exhibiting strength, God's strength over something that's trying to rob you of your devotion. It's a fight. It's a fight. Listen, if you've ever done resistant weights, resistance workout, listen, you you got to work hard. 
Because that thing that you're pulling against to build up your strength is doing what? It's fighting you. It's fighting you back. That's why people will say, man, resistance workouts are the best. Why? Because it puts you in a fight. It puts you in a state of mind where you have to win. That is exactly the picture of devotion at its root. It's a fight. Something wants to exhibit its force or exert its force over you. You have to exert force over it. That's how you prove you're devoted to something. Let me show you some words here or some verses here. Ephesians 1. Here's an example of the word, the root word of devotion and how it's used. Paul, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Right? That's the Greek word dunamis. It means dynamite. You've got unlit dynamite at your disposal. Everybody good with that? That's what the Holy Spirit brings in your life. Unlit dynamite. Right? He says this. That power, that dynamite is like the working of his mighty what? Strength. That's the Greek word for devotion. The only way the power works is you have to exert strength to make it work. You know how to make dynamite go off? You have to do what? You have to light it. You have to exert force in that situation to allow the power to happen. You see, a lot of people want to be devoted to Jesus. They want the presence of the Holy Spirit. But you got to activate it through the strength of that might. It doesn't just light on its own. You've got to actually light the fire to make the power work. Devotion is the same way. Listen, how many of you confessed your faith in Christ? Say amen. How many of you have taken a step of faith and been baptized in Christ? Say amen. Bible says once you've confessed your faith and once you've surrendered in baptism, God forgives you of your sins and places the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. God gave you, God gave you eternal dynamite. Do you know how many Christian people walk around with unlit dynamite in their life spiritually all the time? Because guess what? Dynamite never lights itself. You gotta light it. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. You gotta activate it, right? You've gotta activate it in there. Because that's how power works. Power is great, but you've got to exert the force and the strength necessary to make the power come alive. Give me another verse there. Ephesians 6.10. Check this out. This is why it's so important for you guys. That's why it's important for me. That's why it's important for all of you online. Listen to what he says. Paul says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his what? Dunamis. Listen, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Man, we want to know God's power. We want to know that God can do the impossible, right? So be strong in that. How do you do that? He says this, put on the full armor of God, right? So go back to verse 10 there, David. And everybody read that first line with me. Everybody online, everybody here. Read the first line. Finally, that word strong is the word devotion. Everybody say devotion. Right? So what he says is, you better exert force in the Lord and in his mighty power. Listen, you want to live a life of being rooted? You better be devoted. Meaning you better be involved in this on a daily daily basis. And you better understand what the word means. It means you've got to actively engage in exerting force to make the power be yours. And here's why. Here's why this is so important. Keep going. Put on the full armor of God. Why? 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's what? Man, that Greek word for schemes is a really interesting word. Do you know that God or Satan and his and his forces have a game plan to destroy each of you in here and every one of you online? That's what the word means. He's game planned it out. He's got your name. He knows your story. And he and his buddies, they got a game plan with your name on it. And here's what he says. You need to stand against that scheme. You need to be able to stand against that scheme. How do you do it? You got to put on the full armor of God. He lists all the armor of God. And you know what the armor of God is? It's you exerting devotion so that the power can be yours. Because listen, I don't care what kind of predicament you're in. You can have every stick of dynamite in the world. But if you ain't got a lighter, you're in trouble. It's the same way as a Christian. You can have every verse memorized. You can know every doctrine of theology. But if you don't exert devotion daily, that means exercise power over that thing. It won't matter. Because dynamite without a lighter, it's just impotent. It doesn't have any value. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life without you exerting power in that fight. Listen, it's no use to you. He says, you need to stand against that scheme. You need, you want to know why you need to teach your kids to be rooted? Because Satan has a scheme. He's got a diagram and a game plan with their name on it. And he's working against your grandkids. He's working against your kids. And he's working against your husband. And he's working against your wife. He's working against the people you're sitting next to in this room. He's working against all of us, right? He's working. Why? Not because he's just doing it willy-nilly. He has a game plan. He has a scheme. It has order. It has a regimen. They know how to attack. You know how you defeat that? You're devoted. You're doing something every day. And you're exerting force in the fight. Because he goes on to say this. For our struggle. Right? Our struggle. Our fight. It's not against what? Listen, we got we to gotta, we gotta stop it. Right? Listen, I get it. We don't always get along. Can I get an amen? Right? We don't always get along, but we got to stop making each other the enemy. Because that's not our fight. Man, do, do you have any idea how big, how big a smile goes across Satan's face when we spend time fighting with each other? <laughs> it's part of the plan. But our struggle isn't flesh and blood. Why? Because we live in a spiritual world. He says our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. Who's it against? It's against rulers. And it's against authorities. Right? It's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Sound like a, sound like a worthy opponent to you? Yeah, look at all the authority that these people have in the dark world. Look at all the authority these people, rulers and authority, right? All of the forces of evil in those dark places and it's working a scheme against every one of us. And you know what you need to withstand it? Devotion. Devotion. Because devotion builds roots. Is it sexy? No. Is getting up and being in this fight every day sexy? No. Nobody's going to stand and cheer for you. Nobody's going to give you a parade. You just got to do it. I don't feel like it. I don't care. Because if you don't, he's working a scheme. And it isn't as easy as I'm just not getting along with this person. It's not that simple. 
We're fighting against the spiritual force of evil and the spiritual force of darkness. And it's got rulers and it's got authorities. It's got decision makers. And the decision makers have a plan and a scheme for you. Do you hear my phone going off in the back? (laughs) All right. I, I, I meant to get done so I could go back there and turn it off, but that didn't happen. So, so does everybody understand that? Listen, being devoted is a daily thing. Yes or no? Right. Does everybody understand devotion? Isn't walking in this door and attending church. Devotion is a strength you exercise on a, on a daily basis. Everybody get that? And you get that you've got to do it because you're in a spiritual fight against an enemy that's got a plan and a scheme to take you down. And we know what the goal is to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. And that plan includes all three of those for every one of us. So devotion isn't just an ongoing action. And it's not just an operational action. Here's the last thing. It's an overcoming action. It's an overcoming action. At some point in time, surely that stupid alarm will go off, right? Those of you that let your alarms go off forever, it will go off, right? I would leave the stage, but there are people online watching right now, and they would see a blank screen, right? So if somebody in that booth wants to go back there and turn my phone off, I would be grateful, right? I would be grateful, right? Because I'm going to finish this last point. It's ongoing, it's operational, and it's overcoming, right? Let me read a couple verses to you. Somebody should tell her, Mike, it went off on its own. (laughs) says this, but for you, man of God, flee from all of this, right? All of these, all of these lust of the flesh and all of these sinful desires. He says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. That means you're exercising your devotion in these areas, right? He says, fight the what kind of fight? The good fight of faith. Listen, you can't fight a fight if you're not devoted because devotion is how often? Daily. And it's a choice you make to exert your strength in this fight. You cannot be devoted by saying it. you got to be devoted by doing it. Right? And he says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He goes on to say this. You did it in the sight of God who gives life to what? Everything. And to Christ Jesus who what? Who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you, he says, to keep this command without spot or blame. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which God will bring about in his own time. God, listen to this. The blessed and only ruler. The king of kings. And the Lord of lords. Alone is immortal. And who lives in unapproachable light. Whom no man has seen. No one can see. Listen to this. To him be honor and what? Everybody say the word might. That's the Greek word for devotion. To him be honor and might. For how long? You see, devotion is overcoming. You see, here's the thing about devotion. It will come, it will overcome anything that you're fighting in this world spiritually. You just got to be devoted. Because it's an overcoming thing as well. It's going to be around for how long? Forever. Forever. How about 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. The end of all things is near. Anybody feel like that? Right? Anybody here feel like we're getting close to the end? Yes or no? Right? So a lot of you do. So this, these, these are good words for us. The end is near. Right? The end of all things. And therefore, be clear-minded. Be self-what? 
right? Be self-controlled so that you can pray. He goes on to say, above all, above all. So don't get, listen, don't live in this world we live in and don't tell me this isn't the most important thing because scripture says we think the end is near. So above all, we should do what? So don't tell me, don't be telling me that this fight's about something else. You're wrong. You're not reading your Bible, right? This fight is about love, but it's not about your love. It's about God's love for these people, right? You and I should love each other deeply because love does what? Listen, the people that we love the most are the people that have helped, have, have allowed their love for us to cover a multitude of sins. And I don't have to look very far in this room, right? To know I'm looking at people that know exactly how love, God's love, covers a multitude of sins for ourselves and when we give that love to other people. Yes or no? Right? This is the most important thing we have in this world. You, listen, you're not going to live perfectly above this ground. So don't even pretend you are. Right? And don't pretend that somebody else has to live up to your standards. You know how we learn, how we learn to love each other deeply. That Greek word is agapao. That means giving our love sacrificially. Why? Because it covers up our shortcomings. And golly, don't we need that in our world today? Of course we do. We need that. So he says, above all things, love each other deeply because without love, because love covers them all two sins. Offer hospitality to who? To one another without grumbling. Don't mean that you can come to my house and knock on my door and expect me to take you in. Okay. I'm joking, right? Each one should use whatever gift they've received to serve others. Every Christian has been saved to serve. Somebody say what? Amen. Ain't nobody been saved to sin. Nobody. Everybody's got something to do, right? Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And if anyone serves, he says, they should do it with the strength that God provides. That's devotion, same Greek word. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power. That's the Greek word devotion. For how long? Ever and ever. Amen. You see, here's the thing about devotion. It'll overcome anything. It'll overcome anything. You tired of being fat? Be devoted. You'll stop being fat. You tired of being out of shape? Be devoted. You'll stop being out of shape. Listen, devotion will overcome anything. You want to grow in your faith? You got to learn how to be devoted. And you got to understand what devotion is. Listen, devotion is the first step to developing a root. And the root, the root is the first step to living productive above the ground. Because I don't know if you're this or not, but life above the ground is very hard. And God's desire for fruit ain't ever going to change. So we better learn to grow deep, which means we better learn to be devoted. Devoted is ongoing. You got to do it every day. Man, isn't that annoying? Right? You got to exert force. Unlit, unlit dynamite isn't any more powerful than an unlit box of Twinkies. Right? That's the only spirit inside of you. Ain't any different having him if you're not exerting devotion over him. And here's the thing you need to know. This fight we're in ain't going to last forever. At some point in time, it's going to end. And you want to know why? Because God's strength is an overcoming strength. His devotion is an overcoming devotion. And eventually, this thing's going to be done. And we're going to live in God's devotion to us forever and ever and ever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your devotion to us. 
Thank you for Jesus' devotion to us. Thank you that they exerted. They exerted their strength. Thank you, God, that you exerted your mighty strength in such a way that you overcame death and the grave. So, Father, I pray that you will teach us to be devoted people. To get into this fight daily. Exert your strength and your might in us in that fight daily. And God, for any of us that aren't aware, God, open our hearts and our minds to the fight spiritually for our actual eternal existence. And teach us that devotion, when practiced and exerted, prepares us to be overcomers forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, church.